0: informed and inspired we love god we ought
1: to be able to talk about him getting
2: you started on your day with the latest in breaking news
3: and information from the vatican to the white house and everything in between it's
4: serious it's fun it's your catholic drive time now here's your host joe mcclain hey
0: speed of jesus christ welcome back to catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired i'm your host joe mcclain so good to be on with you On this Tuesday, October the 18th, 2022, on the Feast of St. Luke the Evangelist. Praise be to God. It's going to be a great show today. I'm very excited uh, because yesterday we had sat down with two, not one, but two FBI whistleblowers. Both of these guys were career FBI agents. Both are Catholic and both have gone through their official channels to... uh, uh, inform Americans, to inform the uh, the government, and to take a stand against what they see as overreach and abuse and other things going on within the FBI. And we're going to be sharing I would say most, not quite all, but most of that conversation. It was a long conversation. It was very, very good. Steve Friend and Kyle Serafin were the two agents. And we're going to start playing that recording for you at 15 past the hour, and we're going to play it for the whole hour. Uh, but the full conversation, if you want to get access to that full conversation, make sure you are on the CDT Insider email list by going to the website, grnonline.com forward slash C D T. Get in on the CDT and set our email list and uh, Rudy Carlos is going to be sharing that with you on Friday because I'm going on vacation, so I will not be sharing it with you. But Rudy will, this Friday, in the email. Again, go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Hey, Brent Haynes is going to be our guest at the top of the next hour. He's got a couple of stories he wants to talk about. Watering down of education because of race? Hmm, that's a story in the news. Also, medical students taking a new Hippocratic Oath. Also based on race, what is going on there? Brent Haynes at the top of the next hour will fill us in. Hey, but good news, you know, if you what's that old saying goes? If you fail, try, try again. I, I can't remember how that goes exactly, but here's the thing: Researchers at the Boston University have developed a strain of COVID nineteen that will kill eighty percent of mice infected with it. Why did they feel like they needed to do this? I, I don't know. It's just, it's it's very strange. But Cardinal Mueller, in good news, visited the Mark Hauk, uh, Mark Hauk and his family, uh, condemning the FBI raid as a brutal attack against humanity. Praise be to God. A personal visit to your house. Could you imagine if the... Cardinal knocked on your door. That'd be kind of interesting. Hey, here's a story for Adrian. Restaurant workers in Oakland, California at Noka Ramen Restaurant this past Friday. Uh, their servers were dressed up as Power Rangers and actually had to step in and help a woman out who was being attacked by a man. So kind of cool. I don't know. Actually, interesting.
4: Joe, that was me. <laughs> yeah. I just, nice. just throwing that out there.
0: Then I want to see you in that outfit uh, on the show. That would be I'll wear it, it. every day you're gone. You just won't see it because <laughs> you're not going to be watching. They, they, in some not so great news, the Justice Department has, in fact, y- yet another time, arrested a pro-life activist and uh, charged them f- with violating the FACE Act. Uh, Herb Ga- Gertery, I think is his name, was arrested. So a lot of news stories in the news, so much to cover. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos.
5: Good morning, Joe. And I am just um, shattered, I cannot believe you're going to be leaving us that you mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: you mm-hmm. don't take yeah. the job seriously yeah. and you decided oh, to I take see. vacation and leave us yeah. here
0: oh i see so uh
5: in retribution well, while the boss is away mm-hmm. the children will play yeah well, have fun <laughs> with that <laughs> and how does
0: that other old saying go well Bye. Well, bye. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be fun anyway. Hey, no tie today for you, huh? No
5: tie, so. but it is surprisingly chilly mm-hmm. out here. It's about, uh, I don't know, 60 nice. degrees, and I uh, figured I'd put on a sweater. Why not?
0: Yeah, praise be to God. Enjoy it while it lasts, because yeah, by tomorrow. 9 o'clock this morning, <laughs> you're going to be taking that sweater off. <laughs> uh, we're going to New Hampshire, where I think it's like 30-something degrees right now. So wow. So should be quite nice. How are we'll you going to survive that? Praise be to God. Oh, uh, Trust me, I'm built for the winter. Did you okay, bring enough I firewood? Can, I carry the, enough insulation so that I don't have to worry about things like cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's skinny people that have to worry about that. You'll be there soon enough, it. my friend. Praise be. Hey, Rudy. So, what's on the agenda for the rest of the week? Now that I'm—I mean, I'm kind of curious, but not really.
5: Oh, you want to know now? Okay. Well, uh, tomorrow we're going to have uh, Charlie Rankin on to talk about uh, oh, talk about food those shortage. food shortages. You know, we're going to get an update. Is it really as bad as he predicted last time? He thinks it is. And I we're saw also another video uh,
0: yesterday on that uh, from oh. somebody else who's also saying, "Hey, by the way, world starvation's a thing."
5: Yeah, so uh, maybe start your victory garden or something. And uh, I got some other things in the work here for uh, for Thursday and Friday. I might uh, get somebody on to talk about this humanity betrayal project. to Talk about her harrowing escape from the hospital because of COVID nineteen protocols. And uh, this person has compiled many different stories of people who uh, went into the hospital. And unfortunately, a lot of them lost their lives because of the protocols oh, no. that they had. So we're going to talk about that story hopefully this week, maybe next week. All right.
0: Well, have a good show. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Jesus Robles is going to be filling in this see, week. Thanks. Brent Haynes is next week. And Mike Koeniger is the week after before I get back on the 3rd of November. But let's pray. Let's get into it. We have a much to cover today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.
5: Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday. Actually, no, it's not. It feels like it. But it's Tuesday, October 18th. And here are your headlines this morning. Breitbart reports Nike co-founder Phil Knight willing to do anything to stop Dems from winning Oregon governor race. Phil Knight, the billionaire co-founder of sportswear giant Nike, shocked Oregon by donating $1 million to Republican gubernatorial candidate Christine Drazen. Knight reportedly relayed the story of a recent political cartoon that described how disgusted he is with Oregon's politics. He says, quote, one of the political cartoons after our legislative session had a person snorting cocaine out of a mountain of white, Knight said. And he continues, it said, which one of these is illegal in Oregon? And the answer was the plastic straw with his two big dollar donations to the Republican and Independent uh, in hopes of that either of them would be able to beat Democrat Kotek. CNA reports Spanish Archbishop objects to labeling pro-lifers as ultra-Catholics or extreme right. The Archbishop of Valladolid in a, and spokesman of the Spanish Bishops Conference, Luis Argüello, defended pro-lifers uh, praying in front of abortion clinics and objected to their being labeled as ultra-Catholic or on the extreme right. He says, "quote There are only." ad hominem arguments left for those who know that they're going against science, ethics, integral ecology, and the voice of God, the prelate wrote. Last April, a change to the country's penal code was passed that punishes with sentences of three months to one year in prison those who are found guilty of carrying out, quote, annoying, offensive, intimidating, or coercive acts, unquote, towards women going to have abortions. The Epic Times reports Boston University researchers develop a COVID strain with 80% kill rate in mice. Joe covered this a little bit. Uh, They say that the, uh, the mice, however, they're a little bit weaker than humans. So you don't have to worry as much, but it is up to five times more infectious. The Daily Wire reports Disconnected documentary takes powerful look at social machine behind gender transitions. Disconnected, the documentary examines how the medical, mental, health, and education and pharmaceutical industries have aligned in prescribing a swift gender transition as a solution to gender dysphoria. The film argues that a slew of medical and social factors contributes to the current tsunami of gender transitions among the young. We're going to try and get the uh, producer of this uh, documentary on, hopefully this week or the next. But those were your headline news this morning. God love you.
4: The saint of the day, well, first and foremost, it's St. Luke the Apostle, or rather the Evangelist. And, out of charity for Joe McLean, I have chosen a Franciscan, St. Peter of Alcantara. St. Peter was born in Alcantara, Spain, in 1499. His father was the governor of the province, and his mother came from a noble family. He was privately tutored and attended the University of Salamanca. After he returned home from university, he joined the Franciscans. Peter was accepted as a Franciscan friar of the stricter observance in the friary of Man- Manexertes Extramadura in 1515. At the age of 22, he was sent to found a community of the stricter observance at Badoz. He was ordained as a priest in 1524, and in 1525, he became the guardian of the friary of St. Mary of the Angels in Robadelo in Old Castile. He later entered the order of the reform of the discaled friars, and by 1538, he was elected the superior of St. Gabriel province. As the superior, he drew up new constitutions for the order of stricter observance. However, these were met with resistance, and eventually he resigned from this post. Peter then began a new life, one of less formal responsibility, but one of greater spiritual responsibility. He took up his spiritual cross and preached with great success to the poor. Peter preferred preaching to this group more than any other, and he frequently drew inspiration from the Old Testament books. His sermons often concentrated on the topic of compassion. When Peter was not preaching, he would spend long periods of time in solitude, and from 1553 to early 1555, he spent this time alone in meditation and prayer. Following these two years of solitude, Peter made a pilgrimage to Rome barefoot the entire way. While in Rome, he obtained permission from Pope Julius III to establish friaries, departing on his new mission just before the Holy Father's death. Along his way, Peter established several friaries, and these friaries were compelled to follow a strict constitution, much like the ones he endeavored to impose in St. Gabriel's province. This time, his new constitution contained reforms that proved fruitful and were later adopted across Spain. He was known for frequently experiencing ecstasies. When he was close to death, Peter took to his knees and prayed. When he was offered water, he refused it, saying, "'Even my Lord Jesus Christ thirsted on the cross.' Peter died in prayer on October 18, 1562, was beatified by Gregory the 15th and canonized by Pope Clement the 9th on April 28, 1669. Saint Peter of Alcantara, pray for us.
0: Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 10 verses 1 through 9. The Lord Jesus appointed 72 disciples whom he sent ahead of him in pairs to every town and place he intended to visit. He said to them, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Carry no money bag no sack, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. Enter whatever house you enter. First say, Peace to this household. If peaceful persons live there, your peace will rest upon them. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in the same house and eat and drink what is offered to you, for the laborer deserves payment. Do not move about from one house to another. Whatever town you enter, and they welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick, and say to them, the kingdom of God is at hand for you. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I liked what Hadock pointed out today. And I'm on a Haydock kick since I got that Haydock Bible. But uh, nonetheless, uh, he points out that this was also the exact number of the judges chosen to assist Moses in Exodus 24, verse 1. They though also called seventy in Numbers eleven sixteen. So there's a bit of a, a debate or a conversation going on between seventy or seventy two in the number. And they uh, the scholars believe that seventy two is the actual number. But nonetheless, what's really important is put yourself in the the shoes of Caiaphas the high priest in the time of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Caiaphas would have understood what was going down here. He's not a dummy. He knows. Wait, hold on. You picked twelve and then you sent out 72, that's called competition. This is what uh, Caiaphas would have noticed, which is also why the scribes and the Pharisees all wanted to kill him because they saw he was reconstituting Israel in the fashion and form that it was set up under Moses, because someone greater than Moses, Solomon, and the rest are here. St. Augustine says, Now as no one doubts that the 12 apostles foreshadowed the order of bishops, so also we must know that these 72 represented the presbytery. Nevertheless, in the earliest times of the church, as the uh, uh, apostolical writings bear witness, both were called presbyters, both also called bishops. The former of these signifying rightness of wisdom, the latter diligence in the pastoral care. Praise be to God! Don't go anywhere. A great conversation with FBI whistleblowers is coming up next. All that and more on Catholic Drive Time. Stay tuned. Share us with friends. mm <laughs>
2: Atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge in which case it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com victory in life,
7: we've got to keep focused on the goal. And the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's word we receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass Weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home.
0: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Uh, We're so very grateful to have an opportunity to do something I think is very interesting for sure, especially in a time where Catholics, pro-lifers are feeling greatly pressured by what we see in the headline news, FBI, DOJ, arrests, intimidation, prison time, fines. All of these things are coming to bear. And uh, with us now, joining us by Zoom chat is Steve Friend and Kyle Serafin, both FBI agents, both have been put on uh, administrative leave, I suppose, uh, without pay, from what I understand, because they are official whistleblowers and they join us now. Good morning to you, gentlemen. Morning, Joe. Morning, Joe. Let's start with uh, let's start with you, uh, Steve Friend. Uh, why? Okay, what made you? What was going on in your world? You were, I think, out of Florida, and you were working on January Six cases. What made you become an official whistleblower at the FBI?
6: Uh, I, I think it just comes down to a root issue of uh, I take my oath very seriously, uh, and uh, to me, at, at that point in, in that casework. Um, I, I just wasn't seeing it, my, my oath wasn't being honored. So, you know, and, and that, that went from an honesty standpoint with as far as following rules that are spelled out for FBI investigations um, to even just considerations on uh, abuse of power. And I brought those to the attention of the supervisors um, and, uh, and just felt obligated even compelled to, to come forward and, and express it.
0: I I know some people who had the FBI knock on their door post-January 6th uh, because they were in the crowd that day. And uh, how intimidating that experience was, even though... It, I mean, it wasn't like what we experienced with Mark Howe a couple of weeks back. Uh, it was much more casual and relaxed than that. And nothing happened after that. But nonetheless, I know a lot of Americans were very concerned about how the FBI was handling those January 6 cases. And so you, you're saying you felt like the FBI was going a little too far, a little above and beyond in the use of force or, or deciding whom was really, more interesting to investigate and or arrest than others
6: yes i did i i i that was definitely a, a contributing factor a big one um and, but the underlying thing to it all was we just weren't following our own rules there's very specific guidance that we have that you know it's a very thick rubric and um it, we are drilled on it you know, from the academy throughout our career that we have to follow certain guides and if you violate it there's there's Penalties be paid, up to take you know administrative action to correct it, and there's nothing like the federal government as far as you know rules and reg- regulations and restrictions. So the FBI is not exempt from that, and we we weren't doing that. Um, I was worried that it was being done for political reasons to to push a narrative about you know the nature of the people that were at the Capitol on January 6th and the writ large you know, threat to America from a national security standpoint from these. Perceived domestic violent terrorist organizations, and then you know when it came to you know bringing a uh, individual to to court or to under arrest or to even do a search at their their house, there were these heavy-handed tactics that to me were out of line, out of step with how how things would typically go. From, from my experience working violent crimes over almost a decade career with the FBI.
5: Wow, um, these were the, the the first time that I'd seen these these tools used so loosely. Wow, Mr. Friend Rudy Carlos here, uh, and uh, you know, thank you for for speaking up. I'm wondering, you know, after following your your bringing up this this concern of of yours, um, how was that perceived by your your superiors? Uh,
6: not well, not well at all. The uh, you know, I, I my conversations I had from my my immediate supervisor up the chain command you know, up to and including the special agent in charge of my field office, there was tremendous pushback that they they felt that I was you know, being insubordinate, and not being a good team player. Mm, wow. They heard my concerns, basically told me that I was a, a participant on the sidelines and not a, not a player on the field like they wanted me to be. And from every level of my supervisors and management heard something, some form of a phrase you know, that I needed to, to consider my my options and do some soul searching and consider what my future was going to be with the organization.
0: Let's switch to Mr. Kyle Serafin. By the way, very cool last name, Serafin. Uh, We don't often get to talk to people named after angels, but praise be to God you're here. Uh, So we're (laughs) we're grateful for you. Now, you also a whistleblower, but uh, your case didn't involve the January 6th investigations. You were tied up or had some something to do with the investigations of parents from school board meetings, which was uh, a, a crazy trend in our country to see all these parents standing up all over the country, very concerned about what's going on in the school system.
1: Can you give us some background there? Sure. Thanks, Joe, and I appreciate you having me on. So uh, I went in uh, October of 2021 of last year to my congresswoman's office, who is at vet, Harrell in uh, New Mexico, and is running for reelection right now. And she is uh, her folks were were very receptive to what I brought, and I brought really three essential claims. One, I brought in a uh, memo or an email that showed that the FBI was going to be tagging intelligence about parents at school board meetings and i'm I'm a pretty voracious follower of the news i I read all the sides I try to get all the uh, the background a lot of that comes from living in d c for the last five years before being in new mexico and so i I watch national news I watch what the uh, the conferences are. I watch when the director of the FBI speaks. I watch when the Attorney General goes in front of Congress, and the the statements that were made in front of Congress did not square with with the uh, the email that I saw that came in, which really wasn't intended for frontline agents like myself. It was intended for supervisors. In fact, it was actually only addressed to executive management, and it was just disseminated down to some of the supervisors in my office. So that was one of the things that I brought to the attention. The other one was the uh, the crisis that was happening in our. Um, in our uh, refugee camp or the parolee camps with the Afghanistan evacuation. There was some real concerning problems there. And the third that I actually brought at the exact same time was the fact that my office had Planned Parenthood um, representatives come in and meet with the, uh, the agents in our national security squad. We had two squads, one did criminal and one did national security. And national security is counterterrorism and counterintelligence. So they're kind of combined in small offices. And so they came in and had a you know a meeting with representatives from Planned Parenthood after conducting interviews of Catholic women who were working outside of an abortion clinic in Anthony New Mexico and they have a uh, a little trailer that allows them to do ultrasounds and their entire purpose is praying and they try to uh, have women you know see their baby before they make a really egregious decision and though that's really disconcerting to me both as a father and as a Catholic um I just I couldn't abide by all those things. I, I knew that Congress had to know about it because I know that they wouldn't know otherwise. And so that's, you know, kind of spurred me into action to go in and speak to them. Uh, the immediacy of the memo was there. But the, the underlying issues are something I've seen for years.
0: You know, I'm glad you brought that up. And uh, wow, it's a part of your story I, I hadn't heard elsewhere and uh, very powerful indeed, which brings us to one of the big things that I reached out to you, Steve, about uh, as a Catholic, as a guy. I served in the Marine Corps. My whole family is all military veterans. Uh, I've uh, supported law enforcement through this uh, 2020 summer of of insanity and and all the rest. But yet so many Americans right now are feeling very confused about how much they can trust our federal government, our federal agencies, and to see my friend Mark Hauck uh, be arrested – in the way he was, knowing that three months before that moment he had volunteered himself to come in if the FBI was going to uh, file charges, they ignored that request from his attorney, and instead some, when we still don't know how many agents actually showed up to his door, but with a battering ram, very intimidating, very high show of force there. I'd love to get your take on that, Uh, and before I ask you that, uh, one of the things that I said when I first covered this story was, I just can't wrap my head around how agents who are highly educated, very sharp, very uh, patriotic, uh, they love our country, they, they serve well, as, as you are attesting to today. But I don't understand how you go to a, an arrest uh, like that, where you show up with so many other agents, knowing that the person you're there to arrest doesn't have a prior, doesn't, isn't violent, and he was accused of shoving somebody a year before. Is this the kind of way that we follow these investigations, that we arrest these people. I just, I struggle to understand how that could be. Could you give me your thoughts on that? We'll go to you, Steve friend.
6: Yeah, I I think that there is a, there's sort of an element to this that uh, it's, it's like a boiled frog in in, in the immediate uh, aftermath of January 6th. There was obviously a lot of emotions on all sides and, um, and some of the images that came out were probably, you know, a lot of agents probably felt were were warranted, you know, some some sort of tremendous response. And then we got that directive from our leadership. And then as as things have progressed over the last almost two years, and this investigation has continued to go on and on and on, and it seems to be reaching into the corners to to you know, all the little dust bunnies of potential subjects, and and it just doesn't ever seem to be an end in sight. That inclination to lean on those heavy-handed tactics has not subsided. Mm-hmm. Everybody's kind of thrown into the same bucket of this was a violent insurrectionist and you know, we need to use every tool at our disposal. And you know, to the FBI's, I don't know if you could say credit, but you know, in its defense, those are legitimate tools. Those are, those are perfectly legal tools. It's kind of up to the left of the discretion of leadership and the the case agents of, you know, what uh, mechanisms they're going to use to, to arrest somebody. And, you know, if you're in that, that, that vile soup that's been kind of boiling for the last 18, 24 months, you know, you might really be on a legitimate uh, thought that this person warrants this elephant gun of a response, even if they are a mouse. Um, what coming in from the outside of this, because I, I really only got brought into anything related to January 6th, uh, last October. So, um, you know, at that point, it'd been roughly 10 months since the incident. Uh, I, I I've got a sort of an outsider perspective on that. My, my background is in violent crime. I have, uh, I've probably opened 200 cases in my career. I've arrested over 150 people almost every single one of them was a uh, violent criminal offense you know, ranging from rape and child molestation to aggravated assault to even homicide uh, not once did i use these tactics they were at my fingertips to use but you know I, i'm pretty sober minded when i think about that and i look into you know what's the best option to bring anything any situation, any to a peaceful resolution and no, you know, undue risk to the individual, to the agents that are gonna be involved. And I'm willing to kind of take that step back and look at it. And also lean on my bread and butter of the FBI, which is its local law enforcement partners. That is something that is relentlessly drilled into us from our, our first day at the FBI Academy, where there's a national academy going on with leadership and sergeants and lieutenants and captains and majors and chiefs of police from all across the country. And the overarching message, you know, to go into that academy, you know, side by side with those individuals is, well, guys, we're all on the same team. You need to work together, you know, be it for, you know, cooperation, investigation, sharing information. And in my case, you know, arresting a violent criminal. I, I It was somebody who, similar to the people on January 6th, you know, had been uh, cooperating with me, who had spoken to me, and I'd shown respect to, even, you know, in the face of some violent ac- accusations and pretty vile crimes. Um, but there's still an aspect to being an investigator where you, know, you have to have that open dialogue with the rule and, and a mutual respect of the process, the due process uh, of law. So for all of my arrests, I talked to my local partners every single time, they went and knocked on the door, told Mr. Smith, you are, there's a federal arrest for you for aggravated assault. You got to come with me. Okay, no problem. Turn around, get handcuffed, get brought to to the police station where I meet meet them. That process works because there's a mutual respect. respect. There's a, 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 a prior relationship between the person being arrested and this.
8: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says, The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, Chesterton.org.
5: We are a young and diverse generation helping those in need, and promoting human rights. We care for the environment. We embrace authentic
7: witnesses and dream of a better world. Our passion comes from God, who loves us even when we fall, and cheers on our
5: victories. If you sometimes wonder, is there something more? Then come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. Ground News reports Biden launches student loan forgiveness application. President Biden officially kicked off the application process for his student loan uh, debt cancellation program. Eight million borrowers had already applied for loan relief during the federal government's soft launch period over the weekend. Biden plans. Uh, Biden's plan calls for $10,000 in federal student debt cancellation for those with incomes below $125,000 a year. LifeSite News reports Canada's Yukon Territory refuses to participate in Trudeau's gun grab scheme. The majority of members of the Legislative Assembly from the Canadian Territory of Yukon have voted to push back against the semi-automatic gun buyback program enacted by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's federal government. Following a deadly mass shooting in Nova Scotia in May 2020, Trudeau banned over 1,500 so-called military-style assault firearms with a plan to begin buying them back from owners. If the ban is enforced, legal gun owners in possession of the Federal Regulated Possession and Acquisition License, otherwise known as PAL, would be barred from buying, selling, transporting, or even importing a slew of guns that the government has categorized as assault-style rifles. In Catholic Vote reports, Democrat uses Our Lady of Guadalupe in pro-abortion campaign. There's nothing that's going to stop these people. They just do whatever they want. The video presents Cortez Masto as a deeply traditional pro-family and religious in an apparent bid to win over Catholic and Hispanic voters ahead of the November election. Despite the pious image Cortez Masto projects on the new ad, the Nevada Democrat recently spoke strongly in support of unrestricted abortion in the aftermath of the Supreme Court's June decision to repeal Roe v. Wade and return abortion legislation to state lawmakers. The decision was devastating and absolutely unacceptable, Cortez Masto said the day of the ruling. And if you're looking for a way to continue to be informed and inspired, make sure to join our email mailing list can go on to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and you can also see all of the reruns of the program here, all of the interview segments and all of those different things. So make sure to check that out, grnonline.com forward slash CDT.
6: So for all of my arrests, I talked to my local partners every single time. They went and knocked on the door, told you know, Mr. Smith, you there's a federal arrest for you for aggravated assault. You gotta come with me. Okay, no problem. Turn around, get handcuffed, get brought to, to the police station where I meet, meet them. That process works because there's a mutual respect. respect. There's a, uh, a a prior relationship between the individual being arrested and his local police officer. So he knows and trusts that, you know, his rights aren't gonna be violated. He's gonna be you know, shown that due process. and you know, coming from that background and having that experience for, you know, almost a decade in the FBI and, our, and, and then being tossed into these domestic terrorist investigations that were all derivative from January 6th. I saw a Venn diagram that overlapped where, you know, these people were accused of some sometimes pretty awful crimes, but they had been cooperative and in my opinion had due that sort of outreach. It's, you know, it's very simple for us to place a phone call to, uh, an attorney for an individual, if they're already represented, if if you want to take it a step up, and then Kyle can speak to this, it's not unusual to use a, a mobile surveillance unit to, to watch an individual, and you know as they drive away from their house, and you know that scene is now secure, we can uh, arrange to arrest them inside their vehicle. So, you know, I, I think that there is a tendency to use these heavy-handed tactics, uh, and I think that the the driving factor behind that is the process itself is a punishment for people who are maybe not going to be getting the the punishment that the powers that be think that they are due. And this is a way to kind of spike the football on. Hmm.
0: Mr. Serafin.
1: I, I definitely agree with everything that Steve just said. There's no question about it. Um, on top of that, there is a, kind of a couple of different schools of thought that happen, And I'm going to kind of speak about the FBI in general. There are a number, maybe 30%, 33%, something like that, of agents that are former law enforcement that have seen that you can take two people to a house, knock on the door and take somebody into custody. And it happens every single day. We have guys that are former state troopers, guys and girls who have gone out there and done that job solo or with one partner. And it happens literally every day in law enforcement interactions on most of the interactions that people experience. There's a very different group of people inside the FBI as well. A lot of them are grad school graduates. They didn't have any other professional work experience. They came in completely naive, and they learned some things that I'll call kind of like the default FBI way. And the first thing that I remember learning in my legal class when we went through our constitutional law sections was that we knock on the door at 6 a.m., and we bring as many people as we think we might need. And, you know, we take everybody in and we secure the scene and that's what's safe for everybody. So there is a mindset and it doesn't necessarily have to be, although I 100 percent agree that the uh, the process is the punishment in a lot of these cases and they are done for that reason. There's also kind of an ignorance that happens because if you don't know from the outside, the FBI loves to send out an email, you know, on a Tuesday morning because we got a Thursday morning arrest and it's how many people can be available, you know, for a 4 a.m. briefing. On Thursday morning and you know get your supervisor to sign off and there's a lot of requirements for new agents in their first two years in the office and their their job is to to check off certain experiences and so when I see these these heavy-handed tactics being used and I don't see them being used by the very professional SWAT teams who have the exact same uniforms on and they have the same plate carriers and you know they're wearing the cool guy pajamas when you see the um you know, a lot of mixed bag, different types of armor, different weapon systems. You know, some people are well in a helmet. Some guys got comms. Some guys got no comms. Hand mic over, whatever it may be. It's this mixed bag. A lot of that is just a, uh, a grab bag squad of newer agents who are trying to knock out experiences that don't have the background like Steve does to uh, to know that there's a, a much easier way to do it. And the management signs off on it because, one, they've got to get these people the experience. That's part of the requirement they have. They've got to move them through the process. And, two, there's this argument, that's what we've always done. Uh, and I ran into that when I was on the, my surveillance team because my team was extremely capable. I mean, I had some really, really capable individuals on there, former military, former law enforcement, had a lot of background. We had an Arabic speaker, we had two Spanish speakers. There was not very many things that we could get involved in that we wouldn't be able to talk to. Um, and surveillance to arrest is very safe for a lot of people. Like the most unaware time that most people are is when they're pumping gas. We can drive up to you <laughs> while you're you know, putting your credit card in the pump and one person comes from behind you and it just says, hey, look, we're federal agents. You need to come with us. That's kind of the end of it for most people's argument. They weren't prepared. They're out of their vehicle. There's no weapons involved. It's very safe. Um, it's a very low impact sort of uh, operation. But the alternative is we go and you bang down your door and we try to scare you while your kids are there and you may have weapons. We definitely have weapons. We, we've really amped up. We've turned the temperature up on what that interaction could look like. Mm-hmm. And what I'm very hopeful, but I'm not entirely sure, is that there's not a provocation that's happening. Because one of these people, I mean, many of the people that we're talking about, you could be pro-life and still be pro-gun at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and my family is a great example of that. What I don't want to see is someone knocking down the door um, you know, to a husband and a father who's got little kids. And that guy has already made up his decision that if someone comes into my house, the expectation is that not that it's going to be law enforcement. There's, there's just no reason that you would expect that to be the case, particularly in, in Mark's case. You know, I, I just wouldn't assume that someone knocking down my door is uh, a federal task force or, or a federal SWAT team or a group of federal agents. So that's the real concern that I have is that there's this Mm. provocation that's happening, this poking the bear to see what's going to happen. And if they get a negative response, it's really just going to confirm all the biases that exist at the, at the upper levels of the FBI, that this is a group of violent people. And that's terrifying to me on a lot of levels. You
0: know, it's interesting when you were saying they have to check a box to get certain experiences. I, when you said that I, I immediately thought of Mark's kids, I've known Mark since 2007. I've known him a long time. I spent some time with his family and, uh, they're still traumatized by that experience, seeing their father taken away. The intensity of that, they don't know if it's SWAT team or if it's just rookie agents. They know these guys are dressed in ballistic gear. They're carrying weapons that look very intimidating and scary. Or as uh, President Joe Biden might say, assault weapons. Uh, and Mark shared with me that he was worried that one of his boys might think it was a fun game and grab his own airsoft weapon. And then what would happen next? You know, so it's a very, very precarious situation. And that level of of intensity sticks with these young minds. So let me just ask this question. Uh, you seem to uh, somewhat indicate this, but I'd like you to give me another answer is, is the FBI being used for a political agenda and all this is? Is this process the punishment knowing they can't probably secure the FACE Act violations in the long run because the case seems very th- flimsy at best? So is this just an intimidation campaign to get pro-lifers from being and praying at and trying to save babies at abortion clinics? Let's say you, Mr. Friend or Mr. Serafin? I think there's
6: definitely an element to that. Uh, I, I think that, you know, it, it, there also might be a trial balloon aspect to it as well. You know, how, how far can we push it? We saw, you know, of this with the, with the coronavirus over the last couple of years, you know, well, you know, we can get people to, to put a cloth mask on their face. Well, we can, we can get family members to, you know, not go see their, their, their dying grandmother in the hospital, or we have to make that a zoom call. And they, for all the, the pushback, you know, culturally in this country about, you know, we're, rah-rah we're cowboys and and we stand up for our freedoms there's a whole bunch of guys that had 30 inch biceps that were putting masks on their kids to walk into a costco so i think that that was that 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 to me demonstrated that there is a pliability to to the public and you know how could be perhaps to me i was thinking about this over the weekend uh i look for precedence if if what's gone on with these Space Act violations you know, is is allowed, even if downstream there's some sort of dismissal of case, um, and who's to say if that actually happens? You know, how far is that going to be from? Well, we're going to expand that understanding of what what the Space Act is. You know, they gave that on January 6th with the uh, the obstruction of process charge, which was supposed to be for, him, for shredding documents, but. Now,
2: sign off for you, let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading.
8: Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion
3: from Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend, and certainly how often they should go. So, here's your three best friendships. Tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institutions. It's the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places such as Hebrews 13:17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged.
6: these face Act violations is is allowed even if downstream there's some sort of dismissal case um and who's to say if that actually happens you know how far is that going to be from well we're going to expand that understanding of what what the face act is they did that with january 6th with the uh the obstruction of process charge which was supposed to be for enron for shredding documents but now it's been you know applied to people who were walking into the capitol face act well, you're, you're interfering with somebody's ability to access, you know, an abortion at a clinic. Could that be you? Uh, you did a fundraiser for a pro-life candidate because that individual is going to come into power and and, and maybe you know, stop a Planned Parenthood from opening. That's definitely going to interfere with your ability to access that resource. So if this goes without question or without any sort of pushback, then you know that that trial balloon just keeps
9: floating up and up and up.
0: We've seen over a hundred incidents at pro-life clinics, uh, Catholic churches, and organizations, and no arrests have been made in those circumstances. Do you see that as one of the puzzle pieces in trying to understand what is going on within the FBI? So, I,
6: from my personal experience, uh, after the, the DOPs decision came down, at the time, you know, I was assigned to be working for domestic terrorism matters, but it was sort of an unwritten uh, agreement from my office that I still handled uh, child exploitation, human trafficking matters. So actually reached out to some of the pregnancy centers uh, and, and spoke to them about potential threats because that to me was a legitimate domestic terrorism concern. And they were also a resource for uh, human trafficking victims who might be seeking assistance if, if you know, they became pregnant as a result of being trafficked. Uh, Fallout from that was a helmet sticker for Steve for, for getting us a potential you know source of information. Um, but uh, you really need to focus on the abortion clinics, because they're the ones that are going to be at risk after this decision comes down. So you want to see a similar outreach to them. Uh, and you, when I kind of give them a cockeyed look, like, you no, know, to me, the one side, quote unquote, won the decision, it's probably not going to be, you know, in their inclination to bomb abortion clinics. If they just won, those abortion clinics are essentially going to be you know, non-functional as soon as this you know, law is struck down. Uh, I got, you know, well, we we can't we can't pick sides on this. We need to be neutral. <laughs> I I say this with a fair amount of confidence. If the decision was rendered in the opposite direction, I highly suspect that I would be, you know, encouraged to go visit pregnancy centers um, with equal, um, you know, bias to uh, to to abortion clinic.
0: Uh, Kyle, anything to add there?
1: Yeah, I agree, I, and I think the trial balloon um, statement is very interesting because, you know, as as criminal investigators, we have to look at what the fact patterns are. We don't make assumptions as much as we, you know, we look at them and then we see where does it lead us, and look at where some of these actions have taken place, and and they look to be in, you know, what this uh, this uh, letter that was leaked the other day through FOIA calls blue states. These are generally Democrat areas that are voting that way. And so you have a very specific mindset. You have a very specific public that it's going to be uh, received by. I think if you tried to do that in um, in a you know in somewhere in Texas in a rural area, you would have a much bigger problem. I think there would be public outcry if you decided to do that in Frisco or Keller, Texas, or something along those lines. It just doesn't fly. And so as a trial balloon, that that makes sense to the patterns that we're seeing. Um, the second thing is is that you know I had um, an intelligence analyst. Uh, write up a product. So the way that the FBI works is we have intelligence analysts and we have, um, we have special agents who are criminal investigators and the intelligence analyst job is to write essentially graduate level term papers for a living with their speculations based on some facts and and you know you're smiling but that's really what they do they write wow. these term papers and and then they get graded on them so they just continue their grad school education a lot of them are very very left leaning oh, wow. uh, i think their sensitivities fall that way um that's the the newer breed i think the older ones were probably more pro law enforcement because that's why they signed up for the fbi so it's a it's an interesting kind of mix within um in the agency itself. So when when you look at these graduate level term papers there's a lot of speculative language in there. There's things like we estimate with you know some degree of confidence, a high degree of confidence, etc. And so they're saying what they think will happen and then we make policy and action decisions based on that a lot of times because that's what's advising management. Mm-hmm. And in particular in the Albuquerque division in in New Mexico there was an estimation by some Intelligence analysts that because Texas had passed their heartbeat bill and had, had essentially removed the ability and that that sort of bounty bill that allowed them to sort of remove abortion clinics from the state, which was the will of the people of in, in that state, um, it was going to result in more traffic coming into New Mexico for abortions, and um, that's possible. Although there's not very many easily access other than El Paso, there's nothing really close to New Mexico um, on the, in the state of Texas for big cities. And so the danger was, as they said, not only was there going to be more traffic coming in for these abortion clinics, but it was going to make pro-life people violent. That's an enormous leap. And it's also not a leap that's founded by any factual data that I've been able to research. I, I know a lot of people that are pro-life. Um, I, I attended the pro-life um Um, March in, I think it was 2019. It was the one that Trump spoke at. So I couldn't say for sure which one it was. Mm -hmm. Um, but I hate crowds. I despise them. I don't want to be in crowds ever. It it just offends my sensibilities and all my safety metrics. And I went there with two small children, one in a stroller, and it was the safest I've ever felt surrounded by 500,000 people that I can even, it, it, it actually made me uncomfortable how, how safe it felt. And my yeah. wife had made the same comment. You know, we were like, if, if our daughter runs off in this crowd, somebody will bring her back. And I feel very strongly <laughs> that that was the case. That's a weird feeling for someone like me who's looking around for a threat everywhere we go. That's just the nature of the way that I'm trained. You know, I spent time as a paramedic, spent time in the military and now in law enforcement. That's the way I'm wired. And so a pro life group being violent doesn't really jive with my experience. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what experience this person was writing from, but it doesn't sound like it was a lot of personal experience. So that's something that I get really concerned about is that these, these term papers are guiding the policy and they are based on, you know, an ideological perspective that I don't think is rooted in fact.
4: Yeah, I think that's very interesting, especially considering the, you know, the Atlantic came out and talked about the rosary being a symbol of right-wing uh, militarism and things like that. So there is a this definitely this movement of trying to demonize uh pro-lifers and Catholics specifically. Um uh, my question though is among the FBI the particular agents, what kind of authority or freedom do they have when given an order if they're told to do something and, like, for instance, if you say – do they tell someone, okay, we want you, you to bring this guy in, and then it's up to the agents to decide what's the most prudent way to do so? Or is it more this is – these are your orders and you carry them out? Uh, how – what exactly does that look like and how much freedom do you all have?
6: It, it, the FBI is, is, I would say, more paramilitary. The military, we get a lot of latitude – as far as executing, you know, executing, um, you know let's say an arrest of a subject, uh, I think the overarching factor for going to arrest somebody is there's an arrest warrant. It's a lawful warrant that's signed by a judge. Um, so, you know, assume assuming that this, you know, judge has read over the the affidavit that has been drafted, and they the judge says, okay, you can go go forth and then arrest this person. Uh, that warrant is an order from the court that is saying that members of law enforcement shall arrest this individual. That's it. It doesn't say you've got to use a barricade on the guy's front lawn. It doesn't say you can't just issue a summons to his lawyer and have him come surrender himself. With the, uh, you know, the the facts and circumstances surrounding any particular case or individual, those things are all taken into consideration Um, if if it's deemed to be a higher risk. Then we have other tools that are at our disposal to use. Uh, I think that the when it comes to something like a, you know January sixth or even the uh, the face act violations that we saw, uh, Mr. Halkin, and you know even recently in Tennessee, uh, to me there's that's such a sensitive issue. There's no way that was not briefed at a, a senior executive staff level on, on what they were going to do um, to to make those arrests. From my experience, I was a very remote area. Uh, never checked in with the boss to how I was going to be doing an arrest, but I also was working hand in glove with, you know, law enforcement that was competent and just getting a job done there. Mm-hmm. And, and there was not a tremendous amount of scrutiny or oversight is, is but you know, if something, you know, uh, got forbid it happened, there, there probably would have been some, you know, after effects of, you know, who, who's to help be held accountable here. Uh, but with those higher profile, there's no way you know, they knew there was going to be you know, quite a bit of, of media reaction to it. They had to be considering that and and took that you know, into account and still went forward with the decision, which I have to question their judgment on.
5: Uh, Kyle and and Steve, you know, it's 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 really I mean I really want to emphasize that it's it's so difficult to come to the decision that you two made where you blew the whistle because a lot of people maybe find themselves in a crisis of conscience like you guys have and they'll see, you know, okay, well, this might be the end of my career. And I'm just wondering, you know, what was that process like for you guys coming to terms with, with coming out with all this information? And I'm just wondering, like, are there other people who are in a similar situation as you who would want to blow the whistle, but maybe are Uh, on the fence and don't want to.
1: So the simple answer to your final question is, yes, there certainly are people on that. Um, I think every, uh, you know, kind of both these questions together, they kind of fall together uh, in my mind. Um, You know, we're all children of God. We all have free will and we're all accountable for our decisions and our actions. And that's really important to remember. Um, At the end of uh, a career, you're still going to be a citizen. You're still going to be a father or or a husband, um, but you're not going to be an FBI agent for your whole life. Um, and that oath is not to the agency. It's not to the FBI. The oath that you swear is to the Constitution, which is the belief system that all Americans sort of buy into. And that involves a lot of very intense protections and restrictions on government activity. So I think those are things that people need to remember when they're considering these things. I certainly did. Um when Steve and I first connected, which was only a couple of weeks ago, and we didn't know each other, I'm very jealous that he got to work in small offices where he had minimal management oversight. I saw a much bigger uh, office experience. Washington DC is one of the, you know, uh, the, the larger FBI offices. It's in the top three. And, um, and it's right next to headquarters of the J. Edgar Hoover building, which I affectionately call the Death Star. And it's, it's like, uh, most of these, these decisions, particularly on ones where they know there's going to be some political blowback on it. It's decision by committee. There's a lot of people that have their hand in it and none of those people are the people that are going to go do the actual enforcement action. So by the time it comes down to a SWAT team, uh, and I sat in the SWAT briefing room dozens of times as a, as a paramedic supporting their actions. And it comes down to other, you know, large scale arrest operations where you get 50 people in a parking lot and we're all briefing in a mall before we go and do something. You know, sometimes it's really righteous work. So it's not that the FBI doesn't do things that are good. They do. They just simultaneously are doing things that are very high profile right now that I think some of us would agree are actually bad.
0: Well, praise be to God. For the full interview, by the way, uh, make sure to you're on our CDT Insider email list. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We had a great conversation with these guys, even off air. It was really, really incredible. Praise be to Jesus. But again, check out the podcast or the entire interview with no editing or no interruptions at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Get in on the CDT Insider email list. God bless you. God love you. I'm going on vacation, but Adrian and the team have got you covered all week long.
8: This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, host of The Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. We look at current events through the eyes of faith. I hope you'll join us each Monday and Friday for guests and topics you can't afford to miss. That's The Catholic Current, heard Monday and Friday right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern.
2: I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time. And it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite, it's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know, and now in these past couple years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much.
4: Howdy, my name is Adrian Fonseca. I'm a parishioner at St. Luke's the Evangelist Catholic Church, and this is AM 1430, KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, Radio for Your Soul.
0: And with Kyle, uh, very interesting guys. And we had a in fact I would have to say this. We had a great conversation just off the record. Like we stopped rolling and we were just chatting. We uh, talked about very aliens. interesting guys. I'm uh, sorry,
5: about, we, we talked about aliens, we talked about We uh, did. You know, all kinds of insider baseball that we can't talk about on air. Sorry. Yeah, a lot of
0: uh, (laughs) a lot of very interesting conversation, to be sure. But uh, let's pray for them. Of course, some people are asking in the chat box, well, what about their livelihoods? That was a question that I had for them. Uh, I was very concerned about uh, what their status is, given the fact that they are suspended without pay. How do they feed their families and whatnot? And what will be their future? and it seemed like they weren't able to share too much in that regard but i think the case is once they're once they are fully processed out of the fbi and i'm not sure what that looks like but neither of those guys is expecting to continue on in their career uh then they'll be able to look for what comes next what doors open next for for each of them but uh i'm praying that they'll they'll be able to write books speaking tour book tour provide for their family I certainly hope that's on the list, but uh, great conversation. If you want the entire conversation without any of the technical glitches or the editing and all of that, well, here's the good news. It will be available via our YouTube channel later today, but also on the CDT Insider email list. So if you want that emailed to you on Friday in your inbox, just make sure you're on that list. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's g r n online dot com forward slash c d t and uh, this Friday, which is now going to be Rudy's job. Rudy, uh, what's going to be on the in the email list this week? I'm uh, this is your first time ever sending the CDT insider email, huh? I'm shaking in my boots, Joe.
5: I uh, <laughs> I'm going to just send you a rerun of something that Joe's already saying. <laughs> I'm <just> going <gonna, laughs> uh, <just> gonna... <laughs> to look around and see if there's anything cool. It might have something to do with uh, treasure, or puppies, or maybe what else do I like? Uh, hmm. Maybe books, bookbinding. Books.
0: <laughs> we'll see. Now, every, I'll, find, I'll
5: find something interesting.
0: Every Friday, I try my best to uh, to find some something good, something cool. I sent uh, "I Am David" this past week, and "I Am David" was uh, was a great film if you've not watched it it was it was that movie was produced or it was released like in 2004 right after the passion of the christ so it included several actors from the passion of the christ jim caviezel was one of them the guy who played pontius Pilate was in it but there was also the guy who played saint peter in the passion was also in this film so it was very cool to see those three and i want to say there was at least one other but i'm forgetting who that other person might be but a good film if you didn't see that go check out your inbox see that email from last week and you can watch that very very good but this week we're going to send this the fbi thing and i guess whatever uh mr rudy carlos can dig up because as of uh as of this afternoon i'm on va- vacation so 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 bye i'm i'm two weeks off <laughs> not, not everybody's gonna...
4: flood his email box
0: <laughs> i'm not gonna you do have in. three gonna... hours <laughs> i'm not gonna pay attention uh, but, uh, it's going to be great. You, I mean, Charlie Rankin's on the show tomorrow. I'm mm-hmm. kind of excited for that. I, I almost want to tune in for that because we haven't talked to Charlie in a while. And Charlie's a rancher. He's uh, a guy from, I think he's from South Carolina, but he follows the news when it comes to ranching, farming, food, ag, any of those things. And there's some very concerning stories in the news when it comes to food shortages over the next year or so. And, uh, we're going to have a conversation around that with him. But, uh, and then of course, Uh, our friend Jesus Robles is on the program, uh, this week for the next three days. So a lot more in store coming up here in just a moment though, is, uh, our good friend Brent Haynes. He's going to have a couple of stories for us to cover. Uh, but in the meantime, let me just say, we are so very grateful that you guys are tuned in today and listening to our program. Would you do us the great favor of making sure you're subscribed to our podcast and, uh, And make sure that you're sharing us with a friend. That would mean so much to us, right? So, again, go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you can find ways to – Get connected to us on social media, on email, on the podcast, and so much more. And again, download your mobile app, the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app, in your iOS or your Android app store. And you can listen live to your local station. You can get contact information. You can actually listen to our CDT podcast there and so much more. The Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app, it's linked up on our website. It's also in your app store. Look for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to God. But joining us right now via phone is our good friend Brent Haynes. Good morning to you, Brent Haynes.
9: Good morning.
0: Praise be to God, Brent. Were you able to catch the FBI interview?
9: I caught a little bit of it, and, you know, we should pray for these uh, FBI agents uh, in terms of you're talking about their careers, Um you know, it's not easy to get into into the FBI, and it, of course, used to be uh, the prestigious, uh, most prestigious law enforcement organization in the United States. And, uh, you know, it's a heck of a thing to have to give up on something that's not only your career, but was probably a dream since, you know, you were very early and something you really worked hard to achieve. And uh, they're making a, a real sacrifice uh, by coming out and speaking, and God bless them for that, and we should pray for them.
0: You know, one of the things we talked about with Kyle Serafin, one of the two that we just spoke to, that really kind of startled me was the fact that the FBI had become really an intelligence-gathering agency on Americans. And there were tons of cases that he was exposed to, part of, and many other agents that had nothing to do with a criminal charge. There was no criminal charge. There was no crime specifically that they were uh, breaking, these people that they were investigating, that they were uh, surveilling but they were just collecting information on them. I find that incredibly troubling.
9: Well, you should find it troubling. Every American should find it troubling. Uh, you know, This country began as a country that believed in individual freedom and not just a matter of limited government, as in having small social welfare programs or something like that, but a country where uh, citizens who are law-abiding uh, did not have to worry about government surveillance of them or their private lives. And, uh, you know, here we are. I mean, it, it's it's more than troubling. I mean, it, it, every American is concerned about freedom, should be very, very concerned.
0: Well, let's talk about what Americans are concerned with. And right now we're seeing a lot of trouble in the school system. And uh, you sent me two stories here, one uh, out of the uh, Spectator World it says, should failing students really graduate as doctors? But I think it was more concerning to watch this video that po- was posted last week of all of these medical students taking not the Hippocratic Oath, but some kind of new, crazy oath. What's going on there pertains?
9: Well, you know, Joe, one way to look at this is I have a lot of friends, and you probably do too, who think perhaps we spend too much time talking about politics, perhaps um, they can just uh, go about their lives and, and, and focus on their spiritual lives and focus on their daily lives, and, and in the end, everything's going to turn out okay. And if you're a good, faithful Orthodox Catholic, then you know we do trust and hope that everything will, in the end, turn out. But in terms of our daily lives, it's not really possible to ignore all of these stories uh, it, because it's getting to the point where these very woke beliefs are in, in every aspect of our lives. And this story we're talking about today, is a, or stories we're talking about today, uh, prove this point ultimately. Sooner or later, Joe, everybody has to go to the doctor. And when you go to the doctor and they're going to cut you open or they're going to prescribe uh, serious medicines for, for you or you just want them to get the right diagnosis, you want your doctor to know what they're doing. Well, first of all, referring to that uh, video of the um of the Hippocratic Oath at the University of Minnesota Medical School, you know, they've completely changed their traditional Hippocratic Oath, you know, do no harm. Uh, people can look up the, the traditional oath. Somebody videotaped this, and they begin by acknowledging that their school is on some ancient, you know, Native American land. Okay, well, maybe that's no harm. But if they go on, it gets entirely woke. They talk about, you know, acknowledging other ways of healing that have been marginalized by Western medicine, so they're beginning to let their ideology get in the way of what should be an entirely scientific approach to medicine. The story about uh, that you referenced uh, that particular story is from the American Spectator, but anybody can anybody can look it up. Um, the, uh, the a professor at NYU who is actually a retired professor emeritus from Princeton University, his name is Maitland Jones, Jr., was fired. Now, to be precise, they just didn't renew his contract. NYU got rid of him because students signed a petition and complained that his organic chemistry class was too hard. Now, here's <laughs> the thing. Some people might remember this. Some people you know, have gone through college. They might remember this. And I remember this from when I was an undergrad. Look, I majored in philosophy. I was not a hard science guy. Um. But organic chemistry is very commonly what is considered the weeder course for pre-med students. And that means if you want to be a doctor, you have to get through this class, which is very demanding. It's very demanding in its subject matter. And colleges and medical schools commonly use that as one of the ways, one of the primary ways to determine who gets into medical school and who doesn't. If you can't understand organic chemistry, the reality is, you shouldn't be a doctor. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe, I would have preferred to have been a professional football player. Yeah, I didn't have I didn't have <laughs> the uh yeah I didn't have the skill set for that. Okay. Um, so I'm I have to satisfy myself with watching football on the weekend. <laughs> but if somebody wants to be a doctor, they need to know how to get through. Difficult subject matter intellectually and academically,
2: mm. and
9: NYU let this professor go uh, after uh, he did. He did this course as an adjunct for 15 years after teaching for 40 years at Princeton, and they just let him go because these students said the class was too hard.
0: Yeah, it's a little scary. Uh, I my worst subject in school was was chemistry. I, I disliked chemistry, and the worst mistake I ever made was taking an AP-level chemistry class. Regret it to this day, all of these many decades later. But uh, could you imagine if you had pilots flying your airplanes, which we're about to get on an airplane with my whole family here just later today, and the pilot didn't need to take certain courses about aeronautical engineering, math, or motor skills weren't necessary, or whatever it is, you'd be pretty scared by that. And imagine your doctor doing surgery on you also doesn't possess like a a mastery level skill set that might save your life or maintain your life or whatever. So it is kind of scary that we're lowering the bar here in certain areas that are very critical. But race is also playing into this story as well because we've seen in other stories how people are lowering the, the, the scores, lowering the quality level, bringing everything down because they think that, there's somehow inherent racism in education. What say you, Brent Haynes?
9: Well, you mentioned uh, math when we are talking about learning to fly an airplane. You know, remember two years ago, stories started to break about how now there are educators who claim that math is racist. Uh, and, you know, people might not fly every day, and uh, God willing, you and your family will have a safe travel and good vacation. But uh, a lot of people drive over bridges every day. How are engineers supposed to build bridges If they don't understand math, if they don't understand engineering. And in terms of what you just mentioned, in terms of, uh, you know, the curriculum and grading policy, uh, San Diego Unified School District is an example. They came out very proudly and announced, uh, that they are, they've re, they've changed, reformatted their grading policy. And they're just gonna grade students according to whether or not they really learn the subject matter, basically no matter how, when they do it or how many times they take the test. Um, what this comes down to is they're not holding students to any standards. And they look – what started it all is they looked at it and they said, well, students in this one racial group get low grades and failing grades at a higher rate than students in these other racial groups. So it must be because of racism. Well, no, they don't look at other factors in the primary factor, which is what kind of family environment do these children grow up in? What kind mm-hmm. of neighborhood do these children grow up in? And maybe they do need special programs to help these children. In fact, they probably do, Joe. But you don't just say we're going to change the scoring system. There mm-hmm. was a report just uh, very recently that the ACTs, the test that uh, most students take in high school, if they're going to go to college, along, you know, just like the SATs, ACT scores are down. Um, This, you know, this whole woke approach, which has just been exacerbated by COVID, uh, is invading uh, basic education, even getting to the point of invading science and math.
0: All right, we'll have to leave it there. Brent Haynes, good luck filling in next week. I'm glad you're doing it. Praise be to God. I, however, am going to be relaxing in New Hampshire, I suppose. It's going to be beautiful fall weather, and I'm looking forward to it. But God bless you. I'll see you when I get back. Enjoy your time. We have to play a game now. It's time for fear and trembling. We give out prizes. This is my last chance for the week to give you an opportunity. If you could call right now and be our contestant, that would be amazing. 877-757-9424. Call now.
2: My Protestant friends say the Catholic Church has added a lot of man-made traditions to the Word of God. Is
7: that true? No, it's not true. Protestants go by the written Word of God alone or Sacred Scripture alone. Catholics go by the entire Word of God as it is found in Sacred Scripture and Sacred Tradition. All of the Word of God was originally passed down as oral tradition. Eventually, some of it was written down. This became sacred scripture or written tradition. However, scripture itself tells us that not all the things that Jesus said and did were written down. That's where sacred tradition comes in. Paul says this about tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter, Traditions taught by word of mouth and traditions taught by letter. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. In 1 Corinthians 11, 2, Paul commends them for maintaining the traditions as he has delivered them. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, And what you have heard from me before many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an instance in scripture of Paul commanding the passing on of oral tradition. First Thessalonians 2, verse 13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. They received as the word of God that which they heard, not simply that which they read in scripture. In other words, the Bible clearly supports the Catholic Church's teaching that the word of God is contained in both sacred scripture and sacred tradition. A beacon
2: of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of Fear and Trembling,
4: the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by
9: the seat of your pants it's a 50 50 chance and prizes are involved avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth call now to take your shot 877-757-9424 and now your host joe mcclain
0: praise be to jesus christ welcome back to catholic drive time and fear and trembling a catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas and you could win You could laugh. You could learn. It's pretty cool that way. 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open waiting for your call right now. Get your chance to win this week's prize at 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now. Uh, First caller gets to play the game, Adrian Fonseca, waiting to take your call at 877-757-9424. There are some things we like to do, though, on the down low, on the QT, but you're not allowed to tell anybody. you got to keep it between us. But uh, number one, we like to teach the faith. We look for teachable moments or things that you could learn, right? You didn't know before. Praise be to God. It's a good thing, right, to learn about your faith. And then, of course, number two, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a chuckle. And our callers are amazing. They laugh with us. We enjoy that most, I would say. And then, of course, we give out prizes, right? So we're incentivizing everybody. You can't lose in the deal. You could learn. You could laugh. You could win. It's that simple. But here's the kicker. Here's the trick, right? I have three Catholic trivia questions sitting in front of me. But out of these questions, we do not ask the caller. So they don't need to know. Any of the correct answers. And they could still win the game. It's that cool. It's that simple. It's that much fun. And the reason why is because instead of asking them, I shall ask Adrian, I shall ask Rudy, one of them will have a correct answer. The other one will have an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer at that point goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise
5: be to God. This week we're continuing the theme of uh, the Most Holy Rosary because October is dedicated to the Most Holy Rosary. And I just want to say thank you to the Luhan family because they provided for us another rosary to give away. This one is wonderful. I mean, both of them are heirloom quality. This one has marbled uh, little beads here. I don't know if they're actual marble, but uh, I'm assuming they may not be or maybe I'm not sure. They are cool to the touch, and upon further inspection, they do look like marble. And uh, this one features the Our Lady of Mount Carmel centerpiece and the wonderful corpus that uh, was on last week's uh, rosary as well. Very beautiful rosary. Thank you so much, Lujan family, for providing this wonderful set of rosaries to give away. And the winner this week is going to get this particular rosary, and I, I hope, I pray, it's my prayer. That you will continue to pray the rosary every single day. Or if not, take it on as a, as a, a, a devotion for your life because Our Lady requested it. Thank you again, Luhan family.
0: Praise be to God. We're so grateful to the Luhan family for giving us cool stuff to give to our audience. We love it. Uh, let's go to the phones. Vicki, good morning to you. Good
10: morning.
0: Praise be to God, Vicki. Thanks for being on our show today. Where are you calling from? Um,
10: Dallas area.
0: The Dallas area. Nice, praise be to God. Are you enjoying the Dallas morning traffic?
10: Um, sure I
7: am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is it an opportunity to grow in grace by offering up your sufferings for the souls in purgatory, maybe?
7: Well, I don't suffer when you guys are
0: on. <laughs> now what uh what church do you go to?
10: Uh
0: Saint Luke. All right, praise be to God. Now, Vicki, do you understand the rules? Do you know how this game works? I think you've called in before, haven't you?
10: That's right, yes.
0: All right, praise be to God. You should be aware today, Rudy is not only not wearing a tie, but he's wearing a sweater. So <laughs> it could be very tricky. We should pay very close attention to what he says today. Are you ready, Vicky? I
7: am.
0: All right, let's uh, go to our church-approved tradition here, patrimony of CDT. Rudy Carlos, good morning to you. Good morning. Are you cozy in your sweater?
5: I'm so cozy. I even have it tucked in. have it tucked into <laughs> you, my
0: pants. Yeah. Who, who tucks in their sweater? I'm just curious. Uh, the character
5: Traps. the character from, uh, what's that movie? Mm. Uh,
0: <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, the
5: Truman Show. There we go. The Truman Show.
0: Truman oh, he show. tucked his sweater in. He tucks his sweater in. So. If he All did right, it, Rudy it, it's Carly. okay. Praise be to God. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Okay. Okay. Can you tell me who is the patron saint of choir boys? Choir boys. Okay. So when you're a
5: choir boy, you're able to uh, flex your voice in a different kind of way. Very angelic. And that's why the the patron saint of choir boys is St. Thomas Aquinas, who is the angelic mm-hmm. doctor. Yes. Oh. See the I connection see there? Answer. Angelic voice, angelic doctor.
0: Okay. I see the connections you're trying to make there. You're yes. saying St. Thomas Aquinas That's is right. the patron of choir boys.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Uh, interesting. huh? Let's just see what uh, the choir boy has to say.
4: Adrian Fonseca, good morning to you. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh-huh. Of all choir boys, you are the choir boy. Might be a little old for that, but okay.
0: <laughs> He's preaching to the choir. Can you tell me? Who is the patron saint of Choir Boys, sir?
4: Ah, yes. He's often confused with my favorite saint, mm-hmm. which is St. Dominic. And it is St. Dominic Savio. But not St. Dominic, the founder of the Dominican Order. St.
0: Dominican? Okay, okay. Uh, Vicki, you've got options. We're looking for the patron saint of Choir Boys. And Adrian says it is St. Dominic Savio. Whereas Rudy is thinking it is St. Thomas Aquinas. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Vicki in Dallas, what say you?
7: Dominic uh,
0: Cavio. Wow. Survey says so wise. I don't have my cowbell with me today, but uh, you correct, St. Dominic Savio. There's no way I would have gotten that right, praise be to God. So congratulations. And the way you admitted Adrian was correct without actually saying Adrian is correct, it's brilliant. It's it's master-level stuff, Vicky. Congratulations. You're in the cup. You could win. Uh, but let's see if we can't double your chances, but I'm going to be honest with you. This is among the hardest questions. These types of questions are always the hardest ever. I, I would never get these right. There'd be never a chance for me to ever get this right. So let's pray that we can get you through this. We'll start with, with Adrian first. Adrian? Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Okay, without Googling
4: it. Okay, without Googling it. Talk. Got it. What is the 11th station of the cross? Yes. The 11th station of the cross, as someone who identifies as a PhD in the number of 11... Really? Uh, yes. An <gasps> expert on eleven. I know. Pretty amazing. That would actually be the proclamation of the kingdom of God. Really? Really? The eleventh station the 11th of the eleventh station cross of the cross
0: is the proclamation of the kingdom of God.
4: Amen, sir. You said it. Mm, I see. Okay.
9: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh Rudy,
0: let's see what you have to say about this. Uh, what is the eleventh station of the cross, sir? Huh
5: thought we were talking about the stations of the cross uh -hmm, that would be jesus mm -hmm. is nailed to the cross
0: uh you're just going to go with jesus is nailed to the cross doesn't make any sense yeah Yeah, did he proclaim anything while he was doing that or Uh, where's the connection i think he
5: suffered meekly i don't think he cried Uh, out or anything i see okay
0: well vicky you've got options here what is the 11th station of the cross Rudy says it is when Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was nailed to the cross. Whereas Adrian says Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God at the 11th station. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Vicky, what say you? So the
10: stations of the cross are the Via Crucis, which is, uh,
7: it would be Rudy.
4: Oh, sure, said.
0: Ding, 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 ding. Oh, there you go. Duh. I like the cowbell action. Duh. Praise be the guy. Congratulations, Vicky. Very well done. Very well done. Uh, but I would not, if you had to make me answer like, hey, 11th station, I would have been like, I forget. I have no idea.
9: Something uh, about you know, the
0: cross. We have stations up yeah. all year long in our house. We we bought special ones. They're on the wall. They stay up all year. And still, I wouldn't know. Congratulations, Vicky. You're in for two. This last one, though. Easily the most difficult question. I think it says that in the catechism. Oh, yeah. This is the most difficult question known to mankind. Oh, wow. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Uh, Well, we'll start with Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me what is the name for the sin against charity that is the unjust dishonoring of a person by refusing to show due signs of honor or by ignoring him or her?
5: Oh, I'm sorry. I thought (laughs) I was doing what it was, which was ignoring you.
0: Contumely. Oh, I see. (laughs) (laughs) That's contumely. Well played, sir. Well played. Uh, Can I get an answer, though? Contumely. Contumely? Excuse me. Contumely. Contumely is your answer. Contumely. 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 (laughs) Thank you. Okay. Uh, Let's just see what Adrian says. Adrian, can you tell me what is the name for the sin against charity that is the unjust dishonoring? of a person by refusing to show due signs of honor or by ignoring him or her
4: yes that would be calumny 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 i'm sorry one more time calumny calumny there you go got it I Can think you I don't hear I can't the pronounce the words,
0: words coming out of my mouth. Alright.
4: That <laughs> may be calumny. completely incorrect the pronunciation. Alright, but... Vicky,
0: you've got options. We have we're running out of time here. Adrian says calumny. And Rudy says contumely. It's tricky. Fifteen seconds on the clock, Vicky. What say you?
7: I'm gonna go with Rudy. I don't know the answer. <laughs> <Wow>! <laughs>
0: you guessed perfectly. Three it's for contumely. three. You hit perfect score and the hardest question! Wow, well played, Vicky! Congratulations! Thank you. Praise be to God. That was uh, that was a tricky one, and you did great. You're in for three. You're gonna have to tune in Friday. I won't be here. I won't know until afterwards. But you have a great day, Vicky. Enjoy your day. We're gonna put you on hold, but God bless you. Thanks for being on again. Thank you. All right. Praise be to God. We're going to the after show and I'm going on vacation. You guys are going to be great hands for the rest of the week. God bless you. God love you.
7: Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure
2: to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same
1: time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't
2: forget to connect
8: with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward
11: Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of
1: Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
11: Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the feast of St. Luke the Evangelist. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio.
10: From all thy saints in warfare, for all thy saints at rest, to thee, O blessed Jesus, all praises be addressed. Thou, Lord, didst win the battle that they might conquer's be. Their crowns of living glory are lit with rays from thee. For that beloved physician all praise whose gospel shows. The healer of the nations, the sharer of our woes, Thy wine and oil, O Saviour, on bruised up, uh, bruised hearts deign to pour, and with true balm of Gilead anoint
11: us evermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. the Lord be with you. And with my brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do.
10: Christelle
2: song
10: Christelle song Glory shall stay at intera fox o mini Bonae voluntatis laudamus te, benedicimus te, adoramus te, glorificamus te, gratias agimus tibi, propter magnam gloriam tuam. Domine Deus rex celestis, Deus pate her Domine Filihu ni genite, Yehesus Domine Deus adnus Fili Patris, par hartres miserere nobis quij totis peccatorum undi suscipite we said, "E are dexterram part trees misere no bees quni hum to solo santus to solos to homi hinos to solo sa halt jesu Christ." CUM SANCTO SPIRITU, IN GLORIA DEI PATRES, AMEN. Let us pray. Lord God, who chose St. Luke, to reveal by his preaching and writings the mystery of your love for the poor. Grant that those who already glory in your name may persevere as one heart and one soul, and that all nations may merit to see your salvation. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever.
2: Amen.
12: Reading from the second letter of St. Paul to Timothy. Beloved, Demas, enamored of the present world, deserted me and went to Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Luke is the only one with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is helpful to me in the ministry. I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left with Carpus and Troas the papyrus rolls, and especially the parchments. Alexander, the coppersmith, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. You too be on guard against him, for he has strongly resisted our preaching. At my first offense, no one appeared on my behalf, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength, so that that through me the proclamation might be completed and all the Gentiles might hear it. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Your friends make known, O Lord, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your friends make known, O Lord, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Let all your works give you thanks, O Lord, and let your faithful ones bless you. Let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might.
11: Your friends, make known, O Lord, the the glorious glorious
12: splendor splendor of your kingdom. kingdom. Making known to men your might and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingdom for all ages, and your dominion endures through all generations. Your Your friends, friends make make known, known, O Lord, the the glorious splendor splendor of your kingdom. The Lord is just in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him to all who call upon him in truth. Your friends make
11: known, O Lord, the glorious splendor
12: of your kingdom.
10: Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Hallelujah! I chose you from the world to go on bear fruit that will last, says the Lord. Hallelujah!
11: The Lord be with you. And with your A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. But the Lord Jesus appointed 72 disciples whom he sent ahead of him in pairs to every town and place he intended to visit. He said to them, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. And to whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in the same house and eat and drink what is offered to you, for the laborer deserves payment. Do not move about from one house to another. Whatever town you enter and they welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God is at hand for you. The Gospel
8: of
11: the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ. Today we celebrate this wonderful, wonderful saint and evangelist, St. Luke. Of course, he wrote this important gospel, and from him uh, we hear, for instance, the Annunciation. We have, where we learn about Our Lady. We have those two amazing parables of the Good Samaritan and the Prodigal Son. St. Luke, of course, was not a follower of Jesus at the very beginning, but came really through the preaching of St. Paul. He was a companion of St. Paul. which you hear in that first reading, it almost really strikes you as soon as St. Paul says, Luke is the only one with me. <laughs> he must have been a tremendously wonderful companion for St. Paul, a real comfort to him. There's two things we can draw out from his life, from the readings that we have today. First of all, St. Luke was a physician. And you have the sense from his gospel that, like a good physician, he wanted to really come to know the person of Jesus. That's why he wanted to know the details of his story. Why he went back and, and learned about Mary and how how Jesus had really come, God had become man, in the in our Blessed Mother, how she had gone to Elizabeth, uh, so on and so forth. The, all of those stories that we have from Saint Luke, he wanted to know the details of the life of Christ. So like a good physician, not like sometimes when we go to the physician today and they sort of look us over and they say, okay, you're good, or they look at all kinds of data points, our blood work and this thing and that thing, and says, oh, everything looks okay. But a real physician who looks at you and can say from the color of your skin, from the look of your eyes, uh, from your weight, okay, you look like you're doing good. You're in good health. You know. Now we can look at the numbers too. But in a similar way, I think St. Luke wanted to come us to come to know Jesus by tracing out in his gospel, his entire life. From the very beginning off through his passion. And then it is Saint Luke who writes the Acts of the Apostles, which things connects with the second reading today. The Acts of the Apostles, of course, is the Acts of primarily those two apostles, Saint Peter and Saint Paul. And Luke, of course, knows the story of St. Paul so well because he lived it. Uh, he absolutely lived it and lived it. And what you have in the sense of that the Acts of the Apostles that follows through the Gospel of St. Luke is the great excitement that the apostles, the disciples had of bringing the message of Jesus Christ, the good news, to those who had never heard it. The excitement, but also sometimes the fear. Not quite sure how it's all going to work out. St. Paul even says, you know, everybody's abandoned me, but I know that the Lord is with me. So that excitement, the fear, uh, also the fruitfulness, and then sometimes the disappointments. All of that is there. And that's what we hear with Jesus. He sends out the, the seventy-two to be his companions, to prepare the way ahead of him. He says, you know, you're going to be like lambs among wolves. You know. Wherever you go, give peace to this house. Eat what is, what is set before you. If there's a peaceful person, you're peaceful remain. If not, then go elsewhere. But know that the kingdom of God is at hand for you. So the great excitement is that, like like Luke, you know, we are. God's co-workers. He has called us to this ministry, and he, he equips us with all of his gifts and blessings in order to bring the good news. May, may, may through the intercession of St. Luke, we come to know the Lord, uh, the details of his life, for we come to know the Lord more deeply. Their details are, sort of are to be traced, not in words, but in our heart. And also to have that excitement, maybe also not a little bit of fear, of going out to bring that good news to the poor. bring our prayers and petitions to our Heavenly Father, we pray for the Holy Church of God, for Holy Father Pope Francis, his desire for a poor church for the poor, so important to St. Luke, and also that the Lord continue to raise up evangelizers to bring the good news to all, we pray to the Lord. Let's pray that the Lord would bestow his wisdom and prudence upon all those who govern us. They may enact laws that are just, always respecting life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, Let us pray for all those who are afflicted with any kind of need, that the Lord would provide for them and that we would care for them as our brothers and sisters. We pray to the Lord. Lord, We pray for all those who are far away from God, far away from the Lord, that they may return with great humility and in his mercy. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Pray for the intentions of those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio Media, those who have asked us to pray for them, those who are enrolled in our soul Mass Association, and too, we pray for those who have died, for all the holy souls in purgatory they may rest in peace. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, you know the many needs we have in this life. We bring all of our prayers and petitions before you, confident that you hear and answer us through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine, a work of human hands, who become our spiritual drink.
3: Blessed be God forever.
11: pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father.
8: May the Lord accept your sacrifice at your hands. For the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church.
11: Grant through your heavenly gifts that we may serve you in freedom of heart, we pray, O Lord, so that the offerings we make on the feast day of St. Luke may bring us healing and give us glory, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you,
5: and with your spirit,
10: lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For you have built your church to stand firm on apostolic foundations, to be a lasting sign of your holiness on earth and offer all humanity your heavenly teaching. Therefore, now and forever, for ages unending, with all the hosts of angels, we sing to you with all our heart, crying out as we acclaim Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Aba'o Plenis unce Et terra Glory Tuva Hosanna in excelsis benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in
11: excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall.
10: Te fidei mortem tuum annuntiabo stoumine et tuum resurrectionem dam confite mor
11: venias therefore as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection we offer you lord the bread of life and the chalice of salvation
10: Forever and ever. Amen. Freyteptus solitaribus moniti et divine institutione formati audemus dicere pater noster quies in celis sancti vice tur nomen Adveni ad regnum tuhum, fiat volum tas tuva, si good in cielo, et in tehera. Panem nostrum cogitianum, da nobis ho dihe, et dimite nobis debita nostra, si good et Debit adibus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. Agnus de hei, quit holis pecat amundi, miserere no hobis. Agnus de hei, quit holis pecat amundi, miserere no hobis. Agnus de hei, holis pecat amundi,
11: The Lord sent out disciples to proclaim throughout the towns, the kingdom of God is at hand for you.
12: An act of spiritual communion. By Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
10: Adorote, devote, latens deitas, que subis figuris vere latitas, Tibi sehe meum totum su chit, te hate totum deficit. Visus tactus kuhus in te falitus. SED out to so long to talk credo qui qui de he FILIUS niloc verbo VERITATIS VERIUS is in cruce lateba, Sola Deitas Adiclatet simul et humanitas Ambo tamen credens Arque confitens Peto quod petivit Latro penitens amen
11: let us pray grant we pray almighty god that that what we have received from your holy altar may sanctify us and make us strong in the faith of the gospel which St. Luke proclaimed through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Yeah, God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
2: Amen.
11: Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God.
8: Tune to KSHJ.